You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. I'm your guest host, Justice Stout, and joining me today on the show is singer-songwriter Carly Tache of Asheville, North Carolina. We'll be sharing about the Porchlight Arts and Hospitality Network, as well as discussing topics such as community and collaboration and the toxicity of celebrity culture. Before we get started, I wanted to give a quick background of what Porchlight is and why we launched it. When COVID hit in early 2020, we realized that among all the other damage it was doing, it was killing the live music scene. And so we launched the Porchlight Network, which is a network of hosts and musicians across the country putting on house shows and shows in alternative spaces. Today, I want to share some of the stories of what that has looked like and what Porchlight is accomplishing in the lives of its hosts and its musicians. Can I just say that it is so cool to be on Makers and Mystics, especially with you, Justice, because I'm also a big fan of Renew the Arts <laughs> podcast. I've been listening to these podcasts for years now, so I'm like, oh, I get to be on it. Yeah, I'm actually really excited too. I uh, I thought that one day I might be able to be on it too. And whenever I reached out to Stephen, if, if we could talk about Porchlight, he said, well, maybe you should just guest host some. I said, okay, that works too. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. great. And, and I'm really honored to be on here as well. So I wanted to have you just kind of share your experience uh, from the perspective of the musician, which is not one that I can really share. What is Porchlight all about? And what was it like signing up and playing these shows? Porchlight is an artist and host network that joins people in collaboration to create events, typically at homes, but it can be really anywhere. But what stands out to me about Porchlight is that it is a network. It's not just, I mean, anyone can just plan a house show, but there's a foundation being built within Porchlight. And it's also a more faith-based community. So you have that in common from the start with your hosts and artists, and not that everybody has the same perspectives, but that just already opens up a lot of territory. I love it. Yeah, no, that's a great way to describe it. And there is that ability to feel a harmony and spirit with other people without, you know, even though you may have met them recently or you're meeting them at the house show. We're not exclusively Christian or faith-based, but what I think, I think that people feel that way about it because we do intentionally aspire to replicate Jesus's hospitality and Jesus's posture toward people and being welcoming and, and hospitable and warm. And so I think that that's really what creates that spirit of welcome that, that you feel. Yes, definitely. I like what it is because it is not super defined and it's all about not boxing people in. Like, you never know who's going to show up at these things. Yes. <laughs> the artists or the guests. You don't know if it's somebody who has struggled with religion or the church or has never heard of those things before, um, doesn't know anything about it. I mean, I think one of the shows I went to, it was primarily one person's church that showed up, which was really cool because I got to just meet this whole community that already knew each other. But it's so important on both ends because as an artist, you have to balance that and realize that not everyone's coming from the same place as you. When I walked in the room, did you notice what I was wearing? 
Well, I shouldn't assume, but it seemed like you were staring. One of the things we're trying to not fall into is celebrity culture. And that doesn't even mean that there are celebrities involved. You don't have to be a celebrity to fall to celebrity culture. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you don't have to be very famous for your amount of fame to define your value. Mm-hmm. Or for you to define your value by the amount of fame you do or do not have. Or even to feel special concerning proximity to someone else who does or does not have fame. That's really toxic. And I think it's the way that most creative communities operate. Yeah. And I don't think that that's the heart of Jesus. And I don't think that that's the heart of a healthy community that's truly going to be warm, hospitable, collaborative, and productive. And so whenever we say arts and hospitality, the hospitality is the host role. But like you just pointed out, it's also the artist role because the artists invite people into an experience. And if the artist is only caring about themselves and or their status or their attention, and they're not considering, you know, how to care for their audience and what they've made, then it's already headed in the wrong direction. I heard a comedian one time say he used to try to get laughs and then now he tries to give laughs. Yeah, it's a it's a beautiful way of putting it because, you know, as a musician, part of your role necessitates having attention. But the question is, do you have attention in a way that's serving you and filling up your tank necessarily or only exclusively, you know? Or is that attention something that you're using to serve the people who are offering it to you? Mm-hmm. It's very different. To be totally candid, when I was younger, like early 20s, I mean, I've been playing, I've been writing songs and playing out for a long time, but um, I was not in a very good place when I was younger. And uh, I played at a lot of dive bars. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I still do. But um, <laughs> I was in like a rock band. And I, looking back at that time, I truly thought that the purpose of getting on the stage was to be praised. Like I fell into that trap of like wanting people to want me or desire me or be jealous of me. Like that's, that's it. That's what like most of the culture seeks. And now I'm so sensitive to that that it's hard for me to actually go out and like listen to a lot of music live in the public sphere because it's like I can feel that, you know? It's like, what do you, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. Is it self-glorification? or? But there's such a totally different experience when it's somebody who is trying to give you a gift and bless you and use their gifts in a greater way. Every artist and performer has a power when they perform to change the atmosphere and control the feelings in the room. And I think that we need to wield that power very carefully so you can use it for good to manifest beauty and love um, and bless others, or you can use it for not that. Whenever you evaluate art in terms of the market, which is basically what you're doing whenever you're trying to sell CDs or sell songs or, you know, play shows that sell a certain number of tickets, and there's nothing inherently wrong with that per se. But if that's like your only mode of evaluating your value as an artist or the value of your work, then anything that isn't bringing in a lot of money or selling a lot of tickets or going viral 
all of that is not valuable. It's a failure. Yeah, exactly. It's a constant failure. But as you know, that's not the case. That's not how we evaluate mm -hmm. art. That's not what gives art value. This is obvious, but we still operate it in these other terms. And I think part of it is the lack of relationship. So if my daughter gave me a painting, a lot of people who found it just, you know, if, if, if someone random found it, they wouldn't consider it valuable, but I consider it valuable because I know her. Mm -hmm. Now that's not a pass on skill or craft when it comes to this network. And we're actually pretty, we're kind of sticklers about people who are dedicated to their craft. But if you know the person, you're so much more willing to evaluate, like if you have a relationship with the musician or the artist, you're willing to evaluate the art in a different set of criteria. And all of a sudden, you can highly value, as a, as a receiver of the art, not necessarily the artist, you can receive a piece of art that's not viral, that's not famous, that's not marketable or, or market success, and it could be more valuable to you mm -hmm. than almost any of those other things. And I think that that's actually very, very hard to create, except in community and in relationship. It's so much more rewarding. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's really humanizing. Mm -hmm. It's treating, treating people in human terms a lot more. Because whenever Carly shows up to play a show and I happen to be able to attend, I'm not excited because she has this many followers on Instagram or because she gets this many streams on Spotify. I'm excited because I genuinely am in love with her music and like her as a person. You know what I mean? And that's super exciting. Yeah, like I... I live in Asheville and I have so many musician friends here. And when I listen to their music, it is a completely different experience. That like, like if my friend puts on Instagram that he just released a single, I'm like, I'm on Spotify right now or Bandcamp or wherever. And I'm excited about this single. And then I listen to it like 10 times in a row and I know them personally. So it just enriches the experience. So yeah, like with something like this, I think you use the word humbling or humility. I use the word humanizing, but those could work as well, definitely. Yeah, to not be on a stage on a pedestal, but to be with with one another and, and to be able to touch one another. James K. A. Smith is a philosopher. He teaches at Calvin College, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. And he talks about humans being fundamentally worshiping beings or loving beings. <laughs> And so there's this weird thing with art and celebrity culture where you have an opportunity if you're an artist and if you do have an audience to accept worship or divert worship. So if you accept worship, then you're making an idol of yourself, essentially, if you think of it in religious terms, or you're receiving undue attention that you can't sustain if you think of it just in psychological terms. But if you divert it, and let's talk about it in religious terms, if you divert worship to um, the highest good, then you're actually joining together in a collaborative experience of admiring or being in awe of something that is beyond all of you in the room. And, and it's not just that worship or that attention isn't just cul-de-sacking on you as an artist. And even in psychological terms, being able to aspire to the greatest good um, because that happens to not be you. <laughs> Right, and whenever, <laughs> and when you, t <laughs> and when you take on that role, it's self-destructive. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for talking about your experience and for making amazing music and, and for collaborating with us on all these things. Thank you, Justice. There are some things tragedy requires. Thank you for joining us today on the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Makers and Mystics. And check out makersandmystics.com for a library of over 200 interviews and artist profiles. If you'd like to learn more about Porchlight or Carly Tache, follow the links in the show notes of this episode or find us at porchlight.art. That's porchlight.art. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you again next week.